The following podcast is a Bostic Media production. She's a lifestyle blogger extraordinaire. Fantastic. And he's a serial entrepreneur. A very smart cookie. And now Lauren Everts and Michael Bostic are bringing you along for the ride. Get ready for some major realness. Welcome to the Skinny Confidential, him and her. Aha! Hey guys, what's up? We are back from a day and a half trip from Austin where we did a podcast interview and we just had dinner with Michael's parents. Of course, we had the devil's eggs at Bankers Hill, which are so good. They're truffle fries too. If you're in San Diego, you got to go to Bankers Hill. Yeah, this is like... It's a little sleeper in here in San Diego. It's a sleeper. It's one of our favorites. You'll probably run into us, right? Yep. What did you drink tonight? I had a grapefruit Collins, which is basically a Tom Collins, but instead of lemon, it says grapefruit. Wow, that's super girly. I had a Pinot Noir. Um, So today we're super excited to talk to Jacqueline, who is the founder of Create and Cultivate, which happens to be one of the main girl bosses of 2017. For those of you who don't know me, I am Lauren Everett's Bostick. Gotta add the Bostick now since we're newly married. And I'm the creator of the blog brand and podcast, The Skinny Confidential. The Skinny Confidential, for those of you guys who don't know, I just want to like recap it, is a place where women go to gain inspiration to unapologetically be the best version of themselves. I have posts on kind of everything and anything. So if you're looking for boob job tips, glowing skin tricks, skinny recipes, and or post on running a business in the digital space, I got you covered. All you have to do is head over to theskinnyconfidential.com for more. And I'm Michael Bostic, this lovely lady's husband. Sometimes she mistakes me for the fiancé still. Or boyfriend. I don't like that word fiancé. I'd rather be boyfriend or husband. The other day you were a boyfriend for a minute. Anyways, Michael Bostic, I'm an entrepreneur and marketer. Over the last 10 years, I've specialized in product development and marketing, both for my own companies and for others. Our business, JetBed, provides beds for some of the largest companies in the world, and I got involved with this podcast with Lauren to hopefully bring some value to some of you young businessmen and women who want to grow or contribute to the brands that you're working with. You didn't do it to flirt with me? I did it to kind of come on here and flirt with everyone, flirt with the world. Okay, Michael. I feel like that's like super weird. And here we are. Okay, you guys, I'm going to introduce you to Jacqueline Johnson. Jacqueline is a blogger who turned into a badass CEO, which eventually turned into starting a business known to plan one of the biggest influencer conferences in the world. She's been working in the digital marketing space for the past 10 years and launched her first company at the age of 22. And like I said, she runs one of the biggest influencer conferences called Create and Cultivate. So Create and Cultivate was started specifically for female entrepreneurs in the digital space, which I am so happy to showcase on the Skinny Confidential, him and her. And I just feel like what she's done is just so badass and so cool. Anyway, Jacqueline wanted to create a conversation around entrepreneurship and being a woman in the modern digital world. The conference gathers hundreds of thousands of the next generation creatives, entrepreneurs, and girl bosses to spark conversation around the topics they're passionate about, from influencer marketing to building a brand to even raising money. 
Create and Cultivate has become the fastest growing conference for millennial women hosting talents such as Chelsea Handler, Jessica Alba, Rachel Zoe, Nicole Ritchie, and so many more. The conference regularly sells out, which is insane, and has brand partnerships with Microsoft and the Marriott. Jacqueline also invests in female-owned businesses such as Away Luggage, I love their luggage, and is advisor to several startups. Oh, and let's not forget to mention that she's also been named Forbes 30 Under 30 for marketing and advertising and is a woman of note by Wall Street Journal. I feel like this is a pretty strong intro because, you know, shit, she's a pretty strong woman. So with that, let's welcome Jacqueline Johnson to the Skinny Confidential, him and her show. Um, hi, hello. Are you guys members of Thrive Market? Because I can honestly say it's my number one favorite place to buy organic groceries, especially because they're delivered straight to your door. What's also cool is they've offered $60 in free organic groceries to all TSC him and her listeners. You guys get free shipping and a 30-day trial. Simply enter the URL, not the code. So there's no code. It's a URL. There's a confusion with the code. I know. It's a URL. So it's thrivemarket.com slash skinny. I should also mention that the prices are already 25 to 50% below retail, which is amazing. It kind of takes out the middleman and the delivery service is legit. Michael thinks there's a Thrive Ferry in our house. Well, listen, anytime I don't have to go to the grocery store to pick up food or supplies. It's ideal for you. It's a win for me. My dad, you know, I grew up, He, th- this guy constantly going to the grocery store. It's constantly, you guys. Constantly. Like, if I ever can't find him, that's where he is. And I think what it did, it just, like, it scarred me for life. And, and you know, the other thing is, when you, when you were saying, like, hey, Michael, go and pick up this jam or this butter or this egg, and I get there and there's 50 choices and I have no idea what I'm doing, like, I like Thrive because they take the best ingredients already and they just put them right to the front. So I can't, I, I can't go wrong. Yeah. And you always get the wrong thing. So I just like to ask the, thri- and, I, and I'm not even, and I'm being dead serious. Like I just, it takes the, ch- it takes the difficulty of choice out of the equation. For yeah. me. I just know I'm getting the right stuff. I mean, I feel like this is a win-win. In fact, my sister actually texted me for the URL the other day. And I feel like, you know, it works when I'm using my own URL. That's thrivemarket.com slash skinny. So obviously there's many fun things to add to your cart, but I have to say I'm a huge fan of their raw unsweetened nut butter and their Aztec clay healing mask. You know this if you've listened to the last couple podcasts. I just feel like it's so hard to find raw unsweetened nut butters and they have all my favorite brands available. I add the nut butters to crackers or rice cakes. Even celery is good too. And the nut butters that they have come in small packets, so you can just throw them in your purse so it's super easy and accessible. As far as the Aztec Clay Healing Mask, it's under $5, and I just have to say this, it's the same mask that Cleopatra used, so I feel super bougie when I'm using it, and it's still under $5. So you'll go through this real quick. I love it in the shower. Like when I'm showering, I'll just throw it on super easy. You mix it with apple cider vinegar. Takes like five seconds. Another thing I like is their liquid aminos. Um, You guys should replace your soy sauce with this. You won't be sorry. It's just better for you and it tastes basically the same. Another thing you guys have asked me what I like from Thrive. I like their brown rice cacao crisps. You can add this to almond milk. You'll be so happy about it. 
little blueberries, maybe even a sprinkle of chia seeds. They also have organic coconut chips that I love to top on French toast and oatmeal. I just feel like there's so much available and I feel like I should stop talking and you guys should go stock the situation. So be sure to get in on their incredible offer. It's $60 of free organic groceries to all TST, him and her listeners, and you get free shipping with a 30-day trial. Simply enter the URL, not the code, thrivemarket.com slash skinny. Happy shopping, guys. Have fun. This is the Skinny Confidential, him and her. So tell us about your backstory that led you to create and cultivate. So it's kind of like a windy road, but essentially, um, to go way, way back, uh, I went to NYU, uh, and I was studying journalism and ended up working at an ad agency in New York, was like on a super corporate track, um, at a, a few larger companies, one being IAC, um, which if you don't know what IAC is, they own a bunch of, um, dot com. So like match.com, weather.com, Ticketmaster, et cetera. Um, and I was like working my way up the corporate ladder was like, this is going to be my journey um, and my career and ended up getting transferred to Los Angeles to work at City Search um, and got laid off like within a month of moving here. And so I was in LA. I didn't know anyone. I had no sort of connection to the entertainment industry, which is where the bulk of the jobs were in Los Angeles. So super depressed and, and basically was like, I just moved across the country. I was always killing it at my career. I'm now jobless, no, no one. So definitely was like feeling like, okay, maybe I'll be a yoga instructor. I went through like this whole crisis and um, ended up emailing a few people and being like, help, like I need freelance work. Um, ended up getting a few clients, ended up getting a few more clients, ended up having a few employees, ended up getting an office space, ended up starting a marketing agency called No Subject, unbeknownst to me. I remember that. Oh, yeah. It, it's like a thing now because everyone's like, are you No Subject? Create cult? Like, it's very, my mom still has like no idea what I do. She's like, I'm so confused. Um, but essentially, I started this marketing agency and um, really was like, kind of tapping into influencer marketing, which this was 2009. So just kind of at the beginning of it and was saying, one, I had a blog, so I understood how influencers were sort of coming to the forefront, but also realizing by getting emails from brands, they have no idea how to work with influencers. And what year was this? 2009. 2009, you yeah. said. Okay. So it was like kind of at that beginning phase where like brands were getting on Facebook and brands were starting to work with influencers and like, but they were still sending like press releases to influencers and you were like, what am I going to do with this? Like very, very weird. But I happened to kind of jump into that industry early on and was like, there has to be someone that can do this better. And so kind of positioned ourselves as like a bespoke influencer agency, um, an event company. And it really sort of took off, especially being in LA. Like there wasn't that many people focusing on like fashion, beauty, lifestyle. It was mostly entertainment at that point. So we attracted attention from brands like L'Oreal and Simon Malls and things like that. And we're putting together really compelling influencer campaigns um, and events, which was awesome. And, and cut to seven years later, I sold that company to a PR agency out of New York um, and was able to go full time at, at Create and Cultivate. But in the midst of all this marketing agency stuff, I ended up um, kind of figuring a lot out on my own. So I was 24 when I started No Subject. I, oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. Which like in retrospect, I'm like, oh, my God, what a disaster. But it was great because I, I was so naive. I, I just kind of went into it thinking, I got this. Like I can start a company. Um in retrospect now, I'm like, oh my God, I learned so many lessons and made so many mistakes. And that's really what Create and Cultivate was born out of. I was pretty isolated as like a young female founder. I didn't feel like I had mentors or people to ask questions. And I went through a really bad 
business partner breakup two years into my business. And I thought it was the end of the world. Like I was like, that's it. Like everything we've worked for is gone. Like, and also I felt really shameful that I was like, this makes me look like a bad business person because this didn't work out. But when I started talking about it with other people who had companies, they were like, oh yeah, that happened to me or this happened to this person. And did you do that? And I was like, maybe I should be talking about this more and learning more from other people. And I ended up being like, let's do like a 50 person female retreat and we can go to the Ace of Tell and we can do like DIY workshops. That's like when DIY was like super hot. And um, we called it Create and Cultivate. And we went and it was like the miniest, miniest, miniest version of what it is now. And we all just kind of talked about what we were doing in our businesses. And I never in a million years thought it would turn into anything. I thought it was like one and done. And then it was like, hey, when's the next one? Hey, when's the next one? And then Levi's is like, hey, how do we get involved? And I was like, I don't know. It's just like this side project. And I honestly lost money on them for the first like three years because I was just like putting so much into it, but not really thinking of it as a business more as like a marketing opportunity for myself and no subject. And then um, cut to like three years. I was like, maybe this is something, maybe I should invest some money into it and hire some people to actually work on it. And three years later, here we are. I want to I go back just a little bit. So how why marketing? Like, how did you, how did you even get in the space? Cause that's young to start. And if you, especially starting your own firm and not going and, you know, getting a job and doing what most people do and just saying, okay, I'm getting a marketing job and learning the world. You just started a marketing agency. Yeah. It's pretty intense. So it's really intense. So I was definitely right place, right time in social media. So for me, I was, I thought I was going to be a magazine editor. I like had watched all the movies. I was like, that's going to be me, super chic. And I interned at Condé Nast throughout um, my entire college career. So I was like, this is it. Road to success. Got this. Um, and then I found out how much magazine editors make <laughs> and I was like, I can't live in New York on like $18,000 a year. That's it. That's yeah. All make. That's how much, that was entry level editorial assistant salary. And they offered me a job and I was like, I'm not a trust fund baby. I have like student loan debt and like cannot possibly, you know, do this. And I really was upset about it. And I remember telling them like, I'm going to make this work. I'm going to get a job on the weekends. And they were like, no, you'll be working on the weekends. Like this is like nonstop. And it was so devastating for me because I was like, this is what I thought I'd be doing. And I saw a Craigslist ad when I was looking for a job. And the, literally, this is what it said. It said, looking for a female account executive who likes fashion in the internet. That was it. And I was like, apply. And it was this company called Attention, which is now one of the largest social media marketing agencies. Yep. Um, and I was the third employee. So I walked in the door. It was two guys. They're like, we started this thing. We believe in word of mouth marketing, which is now social media marketing. And we have this client, Blue Fly, and we know nothing about fashion. And I was like, I love Blue Fly. I know all about fashion. Let's do this. And at that point, I had started my, my blog, which was called Some Notes on Napkins, which I don't do anymore. But at the time, was like innovative and like very cool. And so... I got in really early at this agency and ended up doing the first social media marketing campaigns for BlueFi and Estee Lauder. We launched the Barbie and Mac collaboration. We were like on forums and like stuff that now is like laughable, but at the time was super innovative. So by doing that, you know, I was super young. I think I was 21 when I had that job and it was I was killing it. I loved it. It was like, I felt like we were having, I was in huge meetings with huge clients, like selling in these campaigns and, and really kind of watching the CEO of that company kind of figure out how to charge money for social media. Cause no one really at that point knew what they were doing. Like, what are we charging for? Are we updating someone's Twitter? Are we getting paid for that? Like, what are we doing to get in front of these like influencers and bloggers? Are we like sending them product? Are we paying them? It was like kind of like at the very beginning stages. And I just happened to be in like, 
there. Newsflash, they still, a lot of them still don't know. Yeah, yeah. Still, I'm seriously, seriously though. No, I'm, like, like, I'm not kidding. Still figuring it oh, out. Yeah. We were talking about that with, with influencers. Like, you're not going to get a black and white ROI because that's like saying you do a billboard. You don't know how many people actually go and tell their grandma and their mom about it. You don't know how many people actually go and buy it from the billboard, but people still get billboards, which is nuts. It's crazy. And like, that's the thing that I think it took so long for brands to get over the hump with. That I was like, guys, like, exactly. Like a Vogue ad. I mean, you're paying like half a million dollars for that and you literally have no idea if anyone's actually gone out and purchased it. At least with bloggers, they can click links and you can see how many people clicked that link or how many people got there, you know, from A to Z, which is really valuable. There's another side of it too, which I always explain to clients and, and brands. Like when you, if you pay a celebrity per se and you put them in a, in an ad, right? You like, let's say it's a magazine or a TV ad. You, you first, you have to pay for the ad, you have to the creation and their time and paying the celebrity, but then you also have to pay for the distribution so that that content gets seen with an influencer. They already have the platform to showcase that content, right? So you're also, you're getting a little bit of a media property. You're getting distribution. You're getting word of mouth. You're getting PR. It's just, it's a different form of marketing and people haven't, they're having difficulty correlating that. Yeah, exactly. And the influencer can tell it in their own way, in their own voice to their own audience that they've been cultivating over the last years. Totally. You know what I mean? people trust the people they follow. You know, I think it's like, you can be like, yeah, Vogue is an expert in fashion per se. And you're like, I'm into that, but I don't know them. I don't feel connected to them. Whereas like, I know your story. I feel connected to your story. And then I trust what you say, do, wear. And from there, I'm like more apt to like buy something than I am just like flipping a page. Totally. It's, like- it, it sounds like you've been a pioneer in this industry to teach brands a new narrative. Yeah. I, I mean, it was really, I just like, I think it's so funny looking back at some of the early campaigns and some of the early conversations we were having. And now it's so antiquated. But at the time it was, you know, it was really hard and a lot of brands did not get it and were not down to do it. Um, and I have to say beauty and fashion was the first verticals I saw that really were like, all right, like this, we're doing this and this feels like it has a lot of value. Um, and like those brands, like I just remember like we launched this origins organic thing and me packing totes and like mailing them out to people. And I feel like they were so confused by that. They were like, but why don't we just send them to like beauty or like makeup artists? And I was like, no, we will. But like, these are women, like, especially at the time I'm like, who have these like massive followings online and their audience wants to know what they're into and it blew up like it was honestly like they couldn't even control the traffic it, like you know closed down the site and they were like oh my god we need to do this with everything and, and I just remember them being so overwhelmed by it and like sort of confused but it was so exciting because it was like wow we're really onto something because we too were testing it you know we didn't know if it was going to work we were like okay and then seeing it work I was like wow this is going to be a really powerful new medium it's always so strange to me that people don't like common sense would you know hey there's a person that has 500,000 people looking at them the common sense would say hey if they talk about something like that is a that's that's good right that's a that's a lot of bang for your buck right there it's it's always strange to me that people don't make the correlation like oh this is smart to do like it's just it's crazy to me that they just well, it's because common sense would yeah. say hey this is I, sense. I think especially in the fashion and beauty industry for so long, it was like democratized by like this very specific editor, right? Like they're like only the editors know and the editors are going to tell the people. And when it was like, no, the people are going to tell the people. They were like, wait, what? Like, but we've had this whole system. We've worked this whole system for so long. They hate change. They hate change. They were like, this is very weird to me. Even if you're like, this gets the same readership as this, they still couldn't like understand because they had done that for so long and worked so hard to cultivate those relationships with editors. And when all of a sudden it was like, hey, that doesn't matter as much. It was like, <gasps> it's changed. Yeah. I mean, the Vogue article that came out that said, you know, why are bloggers sitting front row? 
I, I mean, I think that bloggers should be sitting front row. Absolutely. I mean, it, they're some of the most influential people on the planet, of course. You know, I mean, you know, editors are there too. But at the same time, I'm like, of course, why, why is a celebrity sitting front row when they have nothing to do with fashion? You know, it's like totally it's all those questions could be asked. Not so, just to mention like influencers are consistent. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, on a consistent basis, you see their life, you see what's going on on a weekly basis with celebrities. You're like, OK, like they pop up here, they pop up there, yeah. but you don't really know what's going on. Yeah. yeah. You don't know what's going on between. Yeah. It definitely feels like less authentic. Totally. So for anyone that doesn't know that's listening, really explain, create and cultivate. Like give us yeah. the whole the whole spiel. The whole spiel. Yeah. So we are an online platform and offline conference for women looking to create and cultivate the career of their dreams. And what that really means is. For anyone who is starting a new business, who's an up-and-coming content creator who wants to learn how to start monetizing their content better, maybe quit their full-time job and go full-time blogging. Um, for women who have corporate jobs who are looking to be a little bit more creative or start a side hustle, um, it's really about building a community that uh, is supporting one another, but we want you to leave the conferences and any other events that we're doing feeling entertained, enlightened, and informed to go off into the world and start your own thing or enhance the thing you're already doing. Um, so for us, that comes in the forms of conferences, of which we do three a year and have around a thousand women attend each. And um, our online content, which we're doing a ton of content, um, five to seven pieces of original content per week. And your content's great. Thank you. Thank you. You're actually one of the only blogs I read because it's so informative. Thank you. Yeah, we really, I mean, we're lucky that we have a staff of like 10, 21 to 35 year old women that are literally like, hey, this is something I want to know. Or like, I'm working on my tax returns. Can I write this off? I'm like, great question. Let's write about it. You know, let's like, because if we have these questions, other people have these questions. So we're always trying to take that information and make it as accessible as possible without like sugarcoating everything and doing listicles and things like that. We really wanted to be be like hard-hitting content that you feel like you're walking away being like I learned something new the other day you guys did a post on um salaries yeah and I immediately clicked she, you you gathered all these women and you did like a graph of salaries yeah. I thought that was so interesting yeah so that came about because we were talking about equal pay day and like there's so much buzz around equal pay and, and um equal pay for equal work and we were like yeah like we're all for that and then I was like but do you know like how much people typically make in your job. Um, and they were like, actually, I have no idea. Like, I know what I've made and what I've made along the way, but I don't really know what other people are paying. And and I was like, I think that's the problem is like women can ask for more money, but if you're already making less money than you're supposed to be making, it doesn't matter. So in order for there to be real change, we're like, you, people need to have the conversation about how much money they're actually making. And again, it doesn't have to be like, I make this much and this is who I am. It can be anonymous, but it's important to have that information out in the world. And so we culminated um, with Career Contessa, over a thousand women's salaries in different industries, in different states. Um, and it's fascinating. It's really fascinating to see. And there's been some surprises for me where I'm like oh wow I didn't know like that you know profession made that much money or wow I can't believe that they make that little money and like how they're surviving off that so and I think it's been interesting and hopefully it's like inspired is some this, women to ask for raises is this like is this being compared to what men are making or is this being just in general what these certain jobs make because I'm a little bit behind on this it's all women okay. um and it's basically their name age location job and ethnicity um and so what we're hoping to do by the end of the year is like sort of pull that data and kind of compare and contrast like this is what an art director makes in Los Angeles this is what an art director makes in Arkansas and like how those things are differentiating we don't have the data on men but I feel like that's probably more public than it is for women but that would be interesting to kind of see those side by side so when you're looking at the data do you find 
and like people are underpaid, overpaid, or I guess it's kind of all. It's kind of everywhere in between. And so our goal is to kind of see like, and kind of come up with like a number that women can arrange at least that women can look at and be like, I'm entry level editorial assistant, for instance, and I should be making between, you know, whatever it is, 24 to 35,000 and like knowing that. And then, so if you're making $18,000 a year, you can go in and be like, Hey, I need to be making at least this much. This is like the medium salary for this job. You, you have to do, after you guys do this, you have to do one for influencers because I get so many questions of how much they should be charging. And totally. I, I'm, I, I talked to this girl today with about blog do and she, she asked me how much should I be charging? And I said, I cannot tell you that. Cause I'd have to see your analytics, your conversions, like your followers. Like I'd have to like see everything and then be able to give you like the right answer. But it's such, it's such a gray area with influencers totally. right now that we almost need some kind of chart. And I f- also feel like a lot of the influencers, sometimes they're funny about even letting their audience know they're making money. Totally. Which I don't think you should have any shame. I mean, the, the creating content is the not job. a joke, <laughs> you know? So um, I think that conversation could be super interesting as well. Definitely. I mean, I think that's, it, it is a little bit of the wild, wild west still when it comes to how much influencers are charging. And I think people have no idea how much they should charge. Um, but it's funny because in Seattle, one of the panels, someone raised their hand and was like, how much I'm a freelancer like I'm not sure how much I should be charging and one of the panelists and I'm like totally forgetting who it was but they said whatever you're thinking double it and they're like that's That's a really good rule of thumb and I was like wow that's really interesting and and she was like double it and see what people say and if you get that reaction you're gonna be like oh my god I can't believe I was charging whatever it was you were charging before and if people say yes and that's the way it was with no subject too honestly like when I was starting out I remember I was so excited we would get three thousand dollar a month retainers for marketing services and like I remember one time I was like I I didn't really want this client and I was like I'm just gonna put ten thousand dollars a month and whatever and they were like great and I remember thinking shit I am not been charging Michael's enough. Michael's gonna have a well, field day I, with this. So like, I'll take I'll, well, I'll take clients on and the, and I'll just say like my minimum retainer like it's X. Yeah. And they're like, why? And I'm like, well, because I'm just not going to do the work for less. Like, there's actually no, no science reason. behind it. Yeah. Like, like, well, what's like the reason? I'm like, well, if you want to work with me particularly, like, that's the retainer, and then we go from there and we do the add-ons and figure out like what your costs are going to be. But like, that's my cost, and it's just it's it's not it's not quantified behind like science and it's just like that's what I that's this is what it's worth to me to do it and then if it's worth it to you and at the same time like the client has to have a win and I have to have a win but when I think it's interesting when you get into pricing when it's wages or speaking fees or like I believe that in any job or any fee you get what you can get and the the whole conversation about like what's fair and what's not fair to me and maybe this is maybe it's going in a hot button subject here is kind of irrelevant right like if you're not happy with the wage at a certain place, go somewhere else and try to get it there. And if and if, if your your boss can only afford to give you what he can afford, and if you either can convince them to pay more, or she, or he, whatever, yeah, or or not, like it's not. I don't think there's a science behind it. I don't think there's a right or wrong. I think it's just you can get what you get, and there's people that are willing to do it for less, people willing to do, do it for, it more. for more. It's Totally. And I think it also depends on your personal situation too. Cause it's like, I remember with no subject at the beginning, I like couldn't say no to any dollar amount. Cause mm-hmm. I was trying to build a company. So I was like, I'll do that for like, whatever. Like, and I was just like hustling so hard. And I remember getting to the place where, um, someone, I like, it was some pitch I was doing and, and, and they were like, Oh, sorry. Can you actually do it for like, you know, three K like half of what we were offering. And I remember being like, no, and it was one of the most empowering moments to be able to say no to something. Yeah. And I think it's like once you get to that place where you're like, I can actually do this. I don't need that money. That's such a powerful place to be at. Um, and then you're surprised what comes in when you have that power to be like, I can turn down that money and I don't need it right now. More money comes in in waves. And it's just such a funny 
predicament to put yourself in as an entrepreneur because when you're starting out you kind of have to say yes to everything and 100%. like it's it's not sexy and it's not the fun client totally and then you finally will get to that place where you can be like oh I don't have to do this and I can actually take on the stuff I want to do and make the money I want to make but there is that road to getting there you have to a, use your intuition yeah and I think a lot of in- entrepreneurs run into trouble right because they they need to get that first client and they need to make that revenue and so a lot of times they'll agree to something that they maybe shouldn't agree to totally. but it's like it's out of necessity yeah but it actually ends up kind of hurting you in the long run because maybe you, you say no to that one and then you find someone like you said the person that says yes to ten thousand you're like yeah. oh wow like i didn't need to do those three other jobs that are a huge pain in the ass where they Take ride up way too much time yeah. but yeah. you also learn from experience yeah. like i mean i did a collaboration a long time ago like five years ago that wasn't right for the skinny confidential i'll never forget this and i learned through the audience what not to do and I haven't made that mistake again. So it's it's it's, it's a dance. Yeah. I mean, you learn, you use your intuition. I want to ask you about the speakers yes. at Create and Cultivate. Yeah. So I love your speakers. I think they're the best. Yay. Like your conference is insane. <laughs> the people that you bring, like they're the top influencers. I mean, and, and I don't just mean bloggers. I think the, well, the word's influencers, right? Yeah. Um, so tell me like who's your favorite, why I want to know quotes. Oh God, all the things. Okay, so... I mean, it's been, it's so funny because everyone's like, how do you get talent? Like, and I think honestly, we've been really lucky. Like I, when we started out, it was honestly cold emails, like just, hi, I'm starting, I have this thing and da, da, da. And it's one of those things where you get one person, you start getting a lot of people. So I remember one of my first big get was actually a conference. I think you were at the Chicago conference with Grant's Duray. Like, I was supposed to go, but I was oh, too you couldn't swollen go. from oh, that's right. I remember that, your teeth. I was, oh, so, <laughs> sad. I was so sad. But whatever, you made up for it in spades. <laughs> um, but yeah, we had Grant's Duray and I remember being like oh my god how'd you get grants and I literally called like info at and I was like hi and that was such a big get for me because I'd followed her for so long and like you know she was so amazing and then cut to Gloria Steinem I mean it's like feminist icon I couldn't believe she said yes like it was honestly so amazing to like be in the same room as her and obviously Grants Gloria two totally different like realms of womanhood but influencers but influencers and like really women who like are pioneers in the space and um we just wrapped Seattle where we had Issa Rae which I was so excited about and I I was in the green room with her and I was like joking but I was like I actually emailed you like five years ago to speak and I like showed her the email and she was dying she's like first of all that's the wrong email I was like I'm pretty sure I guessed it like I was like I was trying to get the right just do info at just like it was literally like info at um awkward black girl but she was like oh my god I would have totally done I just didn't like I must not have gotten the email but she's like was so honored she was like I can't believe you've been following me for that long because now she's like everyone you know obviously insecure is like huge and um she's like it's so amazing you've been a fan for a long time and I was like yeah you know I was like hustling to get speakers right you know five years ago like hi 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 favor 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 and now we're in a place luckily where we're able to like you know email people people know what the conference is people make recommendations um but it's honestly, it's it's one of my favorite parts of the conference is, is kind of picking different speakers who have different, um, you know, points of view and like really can bring a lot to the table. But, you know, I think um, some of my favorite speakers that we've had, um, the founders of SoulCycle were awesome. And I, I spoke at that event. Yeah. With them. They were Dallas. lovely. I got to sit next to them at the end of the table. They're they were cool. So cool. And their advice was really good. You know, I really liked like they were talking about how. They were like, we put, we racked up like a huge Amex bill, like our first like four months of starting the company. And I'm like, that's not something a lot of people talk about. You know, it was like the things that when you're first starting out that you do that aren't 
you know, great. Now you're making millions of dollars. Amazing. But like when we started out, we were in debt trying to start this company. And I think that's, those stories are so important. It's not just the glamorous road to success. Like it's talking about all those things sort of in between that have really, um, kind of gotten you where you are. And, um, Kendra Scott's another person. I, I love her so much. She's been such a supporter of Crate and Cultivate. Um, and we had her speak in New York and, and her story is so amazing. And, and I, um, you know, she talks a lot about her first company that failed and what that taught her. And, you know, she said something, um, that I always loved is she's like, when someone tells, you no, tell them, thank you. Like that's fire for you to keep moving, keep going until someone says yes. And I thought that was such good advice. Yeah. You guys are so much about collaboration over competition. I mean, you, you guys have a sign at every yeah. single one, right? Yeah. So that's like something, it was so funny because we come up with these like, you know, Instagram cool moments that we want people to like feel inspired by, like right when they walk in the door. And the collaboration over competition thing really came about because we were feeling a lot of like people kind of like emailing us and being like, oh my God, this looks exactly like what you guys are doing. Or like this thing is actually word for word what you guys are doing. And and it's hard for me because I'm like, look, like the more female empowerment stuff there is in, in the space, great. Like it's good for everyone. Um, it is frustrating as someone who works really hard at your job to see those things pop up and be like, oh, I've worked so hard. And like, you know, people are sort of like, you know, taking that idea from you. But um, we wanted to come out with like a strong message and we had no idea people would re- like react so strongly. It's our most Instagram moment. I see people post it from all over the world, like sometimes not even knowing where it came from. Um, and I was like, wow, like we, that clearly was something that resonated with a lot of women is like, they're feeling that way. Like there's so much stigma about women being catty and jealous and like not helping each other out. And that is true. Um, and I've experienced it. I'm sure you've experienced it, but we can stop that. Like we can change that narrative. And I think that's what we're striving to do. I thought it was incredible. I mean, I feel like I've built my whole entire platform on collaborating with other women. I mean, and, and, and speaking on when you said, when people say no, I mean, I've emailed thousands of women to be on the skinny confidential, not asking them for anything in return, just getting them on. And I've gotten thousands of no's. Yeah. You just have to keep hitting it. I want to get into the Instagrammable moments because I, I feel that you have created this conference and and more than just the conference everything is instagrammable which i think is genius because you get a thousand women in a room and there's all these different arenas and experiences that they can instagram and i think it's been a big part of building create and cultivate a hundred percent it's been a huge part of it and where that sort of stemmed from was you know i'd gone to a million conferences before and it was always like a stale weird hotel room um and then i'd gone to blogger events before that are beautiful and curated and amazing and i was like wait women everywhere should be able to have this sort of premium experience that, you know, bloggers are getting access to. I'm like, there has to be a sort of combination where you can go to a conference, you can hear amazing speakers, you can learn a ton about business, but you can also have a glass of champagne and get your hair done and be surrounded in a beautiful environment. That's like what being a modern woman is making money and like being able to spend that money and like do things you want to do and feel inspired. So for me, I was always like, we're not going to, if we're going to do a conference, it has to be gorgeous. Like it has to be an experience where women walk in and feel immediately inspired by it. Cause if you walk into like a dingy room, even if it's the coolest speaker in the world, you're going to be like, 
not excited about it. If the it. lights off, if you the don't lights want to are weird, totally. <laughs> like if you're in a dark room, like you're gonna be tired. You're like not gonna be excited about it. I'm like it, we have to create something that embodies what we're about, and like really that is creating all these like amazing little moments and just a beautiful environment. Like why not? Why why not be in that? Why 100%. not enjoy that? Especially you know if you're if they're you know tickets aren't cheap, so it's like we want to give them that premium experience. I love that. So to anyone who's out there and who has an idea. What's something that you can recommend, like a starting point? Like, where do they start? Say they have a huge idea like you had. Where where do they even begin? So I, I feel like starting is the hardest part of being an entrepreneur. You know, I think the, you can have this great idea. And what I think you need to do is just go for it. Don't overthink it. Don't spend too much time building out your business plan. I know, like, that's horrible advice for some people. But for me, I had no business It's the plan. best advice. It's the best advice. Yeah. I, I literally had no plan whatsoever and was just like, well, I'm just going to try this out and figured it out along the way. And I feel like that's something that we hear all the time at conferences is women are like, throw it out there, see if it sticks, go for it. And like, honestly, that's how it works. I think it's the people who think overthink it to death, never launch their site, whatever it is. And then all of a sudden someone else launches a site before them of the same product or the same idea. And I'm like, yeah. Just get it up. And I have then, a rule. It's like you can tell me about your idea two times. The third time you tell me, you can't tell me ever again. Yeah. Like you have to either do I it or stop I told you about talking. my idea for a year straight. Because no, because <laughs> at some point it just becomes like it, it just becomes a converse. It's just a conversation. It's, it's something not, you talk about. Yeah. yeah. And it's just, it gets irritating, at least for, for me. I think for everybody. I just think maybe I'm more vocal about it. But No, it's, that, it's that's true. really good advice, though. Like, stop talking about it. Start doing it. Yeah. He likes to launch fast yeah. and hard. You should have seen the first podcast episode we, we, we did. <laughs> For people that listen to this podcast, they know, but I kind when, when we started this, it was not anywhere near up to the quality that it is now. Not in terms of like us speaking, but just the sound and the way we were producing it and the way it was formatted. The way just, you interrupted. Yeah, it was just not good, <laughs> right? As you as you interrupt me, uh, <laughs> and then create and cultivate same thing. Yeah, but yeah. I think you can't you can't figure those things out unless you do it that way. A hundred percent. Like I look back at like some of the first Creighton Cultivates and cringe over things that happen. Like I just remember like mics going out or like things like that and like not knowing how to handle it at all. Um, and just being horrified or like, you know, there was always like these like growing pains of people that like, you know, I was gluten free. I didn't have a gluten free option. Like things you don't know until you throw a conference and you're like, okay, well, we need to have a gluten free option. We need to have way more bathrooms for a women's conference. We need to, you know, all those things that you like don't think about until you do it, but you'll never learn unless you just do it. The issue, the, the, the biggest thing is it, what, what I've seen and like, I don't want to put anybody down or make anybody feel bad, but it, it's when that happens to somebody for the first time and they like feel that gut punch and they're like, Oh my God, this wasn't perfect. My whole thing that I thought for all these months was not great. Cause I almost, I can almost guarantee anyone that when they launch something that they think is going to be perfect, it won't be right. That, that it's never perfect. It's never. never nothing. I've never looked at and something like this. They, is perfect. they get so defeated. And, and I think you got to look at it the other way. It's like, okay, like, don't do it that way anymore. Continue to evolve, continue to push forward. It's, it's a lack of commitment when you get your like stomach punched in the first time. And I think that's what separates like true entrepreneurs from people that are like, maybe shouldn't. A hundred percent. I always say I'm like, um, starting a company is easy. Running a company is hard because anyone can start anything. It's getting past that first year. Those like milestones, like you, it's so much ebb and flow of like the good months, the bad months. And I remember my first bad month and being like, Oh, well I'm a failure. Like that's it. Time to like, you know, turn it in. And my parents were entrepreneurs. And I remember my mom saying, cause I, we had a month where we like broke even. And my mom was like, 
we have years where we break even. Like that's part of entrepreneurship. Like or years that you lose, or years that you lose, and that's okay. Like that's part of the story. And I just didn't know that. I thought I was a failure, and um, you sound like a perfectionist like me. Oh, one hundred percent. I'm. I'm. You put a lot of pressure on yourself. Totally. It's funny. Like one of the girls said to me the other day, they were like, "God, you always think of everything that could go wrong." And I was like, "That's my job." Yeah. Yeah. Like. Hundred percent. Yeah. I always say to people like, "There's no, there's no such thing as clocking out." Right. Like I don't, there's no, there's no, there's not a moment where I'm like, okay, it's five o'clock finished. I can go and just chill out for whatever. It's constantly something. And it's, and most of the time it's putting out fires and dealing with problems. A hundred percent. Especially when you're the CEO and you run the company. It's, and that's something where it's funny. Like I used to, I wasn't as good as it as, as I am now, but it's something that you learn over time is to really deal with the problems and the fires. And over time you get better and uh, you know you'll start making heart like heart-wrenching really difficult decisions like that right and it just becomes second Practice. second nature yeah and it, it, it's one of those things it's hard to get there because your first fire you're like oh I don't know how to handle this and and now it's like you know okay this is gonna go here I'm gonna get this person involved we're gonna do this to make them feel better whatever it is um but that comes with time and experience and again it comes with actually just jumping in and figuring it out i, I always think it's yeah. getting resourceful yeah mm-hmm. you we know always, we have a, we had a conversation the other day with a, a friend of ours a lot younger and it was basically like the person was saying like i don't want to be uncomfortable and lauren and you were like listen that's just like not a reality and as soon as you start to understand that then you can start to move forward because I don't think I've been comfortable for 20 years. <laughs> Anything that makes you comfortable, I think that's happened to me in my life. I've had to get extremely uncomfortable. Oh, totally. Like nothing has like just like showed up. Yeah. So um, I kind of want to go back to Instagram. Sorry, sure. you guys. Yeah, no, no, Just because I love your Instagram so much. Yay. I think you do such a good job. Can you give us any tips, not just for influencers, for businesses too? Yeah. So what Ellen Bennett, who runs Headlane Bennett, said something the other day, and I was like, that is so accurate. But she was like, no matter what your business is, you're a media company. And I thought that's so true. I mean, she sells aprons. Like, no, that's genius. And you're like, oh, true. right, you sell aprons. But she's like, we have to put out a story about these aprons every single day. And I think that's something that's really important for entrepreneurs to to think about. Like, you are your company is your message. And even if it's not the sexiest thing in the world, you can come up with content that feels compelling and exciting and engaging. And I think for um, small businesses, one suggestion I would say is stock photography. Um, there's really beautiful stock photography that's been coming out um, that you can use because obviously you're not going to be able to take professional photos every single day, but slowly integrating in a few stock images that like represent or embody your brand into the mix is a great and easy way to keep up with social media and not feel like overwhelmed by it. Where do you find the stock images? Like a Shutterstock account or something? Shutterstock is like a little basic. But <laughs> I, I don't, I don't I'm asking her her, not you. I, no, I, I'm asking her too. Gross. Uh, <laughs> there's this site. Oh my God. I'm going to totally blank on the name, but something that's like non shitty stock images. Like it's literally called that, which is we'll so leave funny. it in the show notes. Yeah. And, um, there's actually this, this new one, um, uh, that we, it's called tonal and it's awesome because it's stock imagery featuring, um, people of color, which is surprisingly hard to find. Um, and it's, it's all like hip, cool. Like you would just, it it looks, it doesn't even look like stock photography. It looks so amazing. Um, and that's a really cool company. And, um, we also, there's also, um, um, a bunch of different like sort of sites that you can use that are like, they're like non-licensed too. Some of them are free. You can pay for batches, um, as well, but it's a great way to kind of, um, integrate your product in and, and some of them, um, 
Go Live HQ, which our friend Promise runs, also has stock images that you can use where you can like, it's like an iPad and you can put in, you know, an image that's your own image and it just looks beautiful, lay down shots that you, you know, obviously don't have time to style as, as a small business owner. That's a great tip. Um, I would say also what we do or one of the things that we always do on ours is we do a color scheme. So we always are like sticking to like, okay, it's going to be like pink, 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 and then we'll slowly get to green, green, green and all that stuff. And I think that's what really has made our feed like very visually stunning. Um, and it's hard to do. You have to like put a lot of effort into oh it. Uh, but it, for us, I'm like, I always look back and it feels like very cohesive. Um, we also regram a lot of images from, from influencers and, and awesome women. And, um, you know, that does really well for us. And, and people really are like, wow, I saw a huge bump in followers. So it's good for them. It's good for us. You know, we're able to kind of combine those two things. And, um, so for us again, like we don't, you know, once a conference is over, we have so much content to work with. But in between that, we sort of intermix with regrams and stock photography to kind of get our message across. Because for us, Instagram is more about driving to our content that we're creating. So it's sort of a medium to get to the site or to whatever it is that we're promoting. You guys also use all the same font. Like I, I pay attention to this. Like Yay. it's it's all like <laughs> the captions are like everything is very branded. I noticed. Yeah. Yeah. We put like we finally built out a brand guide. Like again, like start by starting. Like we're like we need to have a brand guide. Um, and we were able to kind of like lay out like this is our look and feel. Like these are the fonts we use. This is the language we use. These are the emojis we use. Your like, newsletter is also amazing. Thank you. Yeah. I just think you just in the digital space in 2017 it's really incredible the way you 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 know you're looking at create and cultivate when Yay. it comes through that's the goal and you know it's hard to get there it's hard to create something that feels so specific um and of course I have moments where I'm like let's completely redo it always but you know I think for us you know we've really created this brand that people are resonating with and that you know feel a part of so for us it's like that consistency across Instagram, across our newsletter, across the conferences. Like I think that consistency has really lent itself to building an audience that recognizes what we're doing. Totally. Um, so I want to like, just ask you this, what do you look for speakers? Like if there's an influencer out there that wants to speak, like what are you looking for? So it totally changes by city. Um, but for instance, it's like, well, ha- I think submitting yourself and being like, hi, you know, this is me. Here's like what I'm doing. Here's what I can speak about. That's really important. So if you're like, I can speak about raising money. I can speak about gaining Instagram followers, like being specific with what you are. Yeah. You're talking about that way when I'm thinking about a new panel, I can be like, oh, right. Like that's perfect. So for instance, in LA, we have a body positivity panel, which we're really excited about. And again, I'm like, I know women that I've like met over the years and like gotten emails from and like have been on our list for a while that I'm like, oh my God, they'd be perfect for this. So just putting your name out there and there's nothing wrong with following up on it as well. But if you want to be a speaker, you know, you have to put yourself out there a little bit. And so just throwing it out there and being like, these are my topics. This is what I'm good at. I'm willing to travel or I'm in this city and can bring like these amount of people to the table if you're like heading to Chicago or wherever and then if you don't hear anything after six months just being like hey following up on this like we get so many inquiries it's it's hard to keep up but don't like I always tell people follow up follow up follow up that's good advice in anything I feel like you're just right following up right yeah. It's, not like a, it's not like a talking points thing, right? It's like, hey, I got like a, a book to promote. No, you, like, that's, you're not interested in that. No. Right? 
No, no, it's a, probably not. Right. It, it depends. Like some people like, you know, if they have a book coming out and, and they happen to be on a circuit, then great. But it's not like you're going to do, we don't ever do something where it's like overly promotional. Like I have a 30 minute speech I do about my book. It's right. like, no, what's your, for yeah. instance, we had, um, Dory Shafrir, who is one of the senior editors at Buzzfeed. And she just put out, um, a book, um, about startup culture and sort of all of the, uh, sexual assault allegations. And again, like I was, I was like one, she's, been in the internet world forever she works at buzzfeed one of the biggest um you know sites in the world was that gawker and then now this timely um topic i'm like she's perfect to kind of bring into the mix and her point of view was so fascinating for um our audience you know and she was on a panel with you know um emily schumann and um gala gonzalez and it was bloggers and she had such a different point of view and that's what i love to like see is like how do we like mix it up so it's like a little bit um, outside the box. So even if you were like, I'm not a blogger, I don't know if I should like apply for this conference, send it to us. And if it's not a blog, if you're not a speaker, maybe you can do a, a blog post. Great idea. Did you guys hear that? Everyone's <laughs> listening. Okay. So how is Create and Cultivate currently evolving? What's next? Give us the 411. Yeah. So we have some really exciting things we're announcing um, in the next couple months. Um, but, you know, obviously we have the conferences. We're moving into... Um, uh, Speaking of books, there might be a book in the future, which is really exciting. And um, we're also doing a lot of one-off events that we're really excited about. So not just the conferences, but like we're heading to Houston next month where we're doing um, a pop-up and fundraiser for the victims of Hurricane Harvey. Um, and we have Sophia Bush speaking and we're really excited about it. And that's a free event. You can just come and obviously make a donation if you want to. But we want to do more free events as well because we know not everyone has the means to fly to a city and buy a ticket per se. But just really want to build our community as much as possible and in these offline ways and not just in big cities, but in some of these smaller cities as well, where we can kind of, you know, grow and expand. You are a total girl boss. Tell, <laughs> tell everyone where they can find you, where they can email you if they're interested in trying to speak. Yep, totally. So we are at CrateCultivate.com and I'm Jacqueline, J-A-C-L-Y-N at CrateCultivate.com. And Instagram? At Create Cultivate. <laughs> and you guys follow their Instagram. It's so cute. You won't be sorry, especially if you're a blogger. Yay. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, guys. Thank this you. This was so fun. We'd love to know what you guys got out of that interview. If you've been to any other conferences that you think would be beneficial to Lauren and I, you know, I've been to Create and Cultivate and it's an awesome conference. It's definitely more female geared, but you know, when the times I've been, I've enjoyed it. Any other conferences you guys could recommend or you think would be good for us, we'd love to hear feedback and also any feedback on what you learned from this episode because we, you know, we want to keep providing value and doing our best to provide as much content as possible. Thank you guys so much for your attention. We hope you enjoyed that episode. Now, we also have kind of a special thing. If you guys rate and review the podcast on iTunes and send us a screenshot of your review, we will send you my five favorite beauty hacks, tips and tricks straight to your inbox. All you have to do is review it, screenshot it, and send it to asklauren at theskinnyconfidential.com. That's asklauren, L-A-U-R-Y-N, at theskinnyconfidential.com. And with that, we will see you next week.